in 2014, God began to deal with me in November. I just got so hungry. I, I, I can't even begin to describe to you the insatiable hunger and famish. I was so hungry for God's word. I just became, I mean, when I say hungry for, for the word, I woke up with the word. I went to bed with the word. I mean, I would sleep with the, with the, with the earplugs in my ears. Listening to sermon after sermon after sermon and word after word after word and just I mean even the, the Bible on CD on you know on, on mp3 just I just couldn't get it up I just read and studied and read and studied. I mean just the hunger in me was unbelievable I mean, I just don't even know how to explain it But as I began to do that a message began to transfer into my heart and I got I, I got a breakthrough in my life I mean it, I don't even know how to explain it other than tell you 2014 November Breakthrough. 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 And if you've been around Family Worship Center for just the last six months, you've known that the, the, the message has changed. And there's just been a, a, a word explosion in this place and, and a depth of, of the word and, and an encouragement. And so, so there's just something going on, and I believe that's what God wants for us as a church. It's what he wants for you. And so uh, as I look at this subject of grace, I want to I I break some disguise off of it. Because if we don't understand the, 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 the real truth about grace, and I'm not just, you know, because grace has almost become cliche. And, and so I, I want to I wanna go further than where I'm hearing people. Like I saw, I saw the other day, uh, somebody t- uh, sent me an email, um, and uh, one of the ministers of a lar- larger ministry decided to, to, that we no longer have to live under the Ten Commandments, that the Ten Commandments are done away with, and he rewrote them. That's about the dumbest thing. I, I mean, that's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. It's dumb. I mean, I mean, God didn't come to do away with the commandments. The Old Testament is not done away with. It's not a book we don't read anymore. God didn't wipe the word out when Jesus came. The, 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 the commands of God are not gone because Jesus came, because grace arrived. That's, that's not at all what happened. That's not at all the situation. God did not eradicate and annihilate his own word. Jesus said this, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus never changes. How many of us did Jesus the same yesterday? His word remains the same. And whatever he demanded and required then, he demands and requires now. And grace doesn't do away with that. It's not the justification of my continuance in sin or my continuance in indulgence. It, what, what real grace is, what, what, what real grace is, and let, let me just, I want you to get your pens out, get your paper out. This is not going to be a run, jump, holler, flip, and dye your hair thing. It's going to be, I want you to get something out. I'm going to teach line upon line, precept upon principle, and principles. Grace is what makes the journey great. Grace is what makes the journey great. Write that down. Grace is what makes the journey great. True greatness follows great grace. And that is the empowerment of God to accomplish that which God requires. Let me, write, let me, let me read this again. True greatness follows great grace. True greatness follows great grace. The empowerment of God to accomplish that which God requires. So what grace really is, is God's power 
for you to do what he asks you to do. That's why he can say, uh, uh, all things are possible to him that believes. That's why he can say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, whether I want to or not, that's a whole other story. That's a whole other subject matter, right? I mean, whether I actually have the desire to do that or not, that, that, that's different. But I can do all things through Christ. I can overcome every debilitation. I can overcome every challenge. I am capable of winning the victory in every situation in life. Look at me. Look at me. Every. Every, every habit. Now, whether or not I believe it's one I need to quit, that's a different story. But if it's one that I know God wants me to, to stop, then I can do it. If I could, because faith begins where the will of God is known. If I know the will of God on a subject matter, faith begins there. Once I know God's will, I can have faith for it. Does God say that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? Yes, he does. What does that mean? That he doesn't want you destroying your temple. He doesn't, when, when you look at a pack of cigarettes and you see on the side of the cigarettes, this will cause cancer, don't be surprised when you're in your 50s or 60s and they got you hooked to a lung machine. Don't say, look, God's trying to teach me something. No, you just smoked yourself into cancer. Come on. But if you know you're going to destroy your temple, then you need to stop. You need to stop. And God says you have grace to do it. He's given you the grace and the empowerment, the power to overcome bad habits. The power to overcome illicit things. The power to reveal and to, 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 to win the challenge. The power to be prosperous. Notice I said it wasn't always about sin. I mean, God, I mean, one of the things that God had to work on me, what happened to me in November, was that I, I had to look at something in my life. It wasn't that I was full of sin, but I was tired of living paycheck to paycheck. Come on. And God said, I can do all things through Christ. So my journey is by grace. God has given me grace to accomplish the journey. Somebody say amen. And so it's the empowerment of God to accomplish that which he has required. Whatever God requires. There's no sense. We don't abolish. If we don't like the law, we get rid of it. If we don't like that we have to follow some path or I can't go ahead. The Bible says, thou shalt not kill. I don't want to. I want to kill somebody, so I'm going to do away with that. Now, if I say that, you'd be like, no, God would die. You'd go to hell for killing somebody. But he said, don't lie. What's the difference? I mean, we, we like to pick and choose what we like and don't like. But there is a purpose to this thing. Somebody say Amen. Paul was the greatest writer of New Testament scripture. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. I would call Paul, Paul the Great. I would, I would. And I want you to think about this. Paul the Great. Just imagine the greatness of who Paul is as a person and what he lived and all that he endured. Listen to this in 1 Corinthians 15, 9 and 10. For I am the least of the apostles that am not meet to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. Does anybody see that? Everything Paul accomplished, all that Paul did, is wrapped up in by grace. He said, I am what I am by grace. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament because he was what he was by grace. 
an empowerment of God. The single greatest thing you have. It's, it, it is. So grace is the greatest treasure in the race of life. Now, my message is not about grace today. I've got to start you there. Because I want to eliminate everybody's excuse for why they live like they live. And the justifications of why you do what you do. I mean, if I told you somebody was having an affair on his wife and was going to wreck his family, you'd, if you would say, absolutely not. But then I'd say, well, why don't you drop this or drop that? You'd be like, I'm not giving up that. I remember one time I had a family situation where a, a young lady came in, her husband, and he had become an alcoholic, serious alcoholic. And so she came in the room, and they wanted counseling. And I can remember sitting there, and, and we were talking, and, and, and her say, he's got to give up the drinking. He's got to get the beer out of the house. He's got his, I mean, he's killing our families, wrecking our home. It eventually did wreck their home, by the way. They are divorced. He still got the beer in his fridge, though. But what was worse was when I said to her, I'll tell you what, if, is he an alcoholic? Yes. I said, then you have to make sure you have nothing in your refrigerator at all or that you yourself, when you go to eat, you don't have any wine, you don't have any beer. What? I'm not giving up my alcohol. I'm not an alcoholic. Why should I have to give it up? I don't understand why I got to give it up. I got to give it up. I'm not going to give that up. He's the one with the problem. Come on. Well, they obviously didn't have enough, they didn't have enough momentum or real desire to, 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 to save the marriage. It was second to the stuff they wanted to keep. Many people have forfeited life with their family. Jobs. I mean, some people are functioning. They can function, but they, they wreck their home, wreck their relationship, give up grandchildren, give up marriages, give up the future for things that, that are just too important or that they valued at a level higher. I can do all things. So the value is somewhere in there, isn't it? I'm going to keep this. This is my thing. This is my thing. Come on. Come on. I can't over, I, you know, because you sit there and you struggle with these habits. You struggle with these silent sins, with these private things. I'm preaching real good. And, 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 and make excuses. Well, I can't. I can't. I can't. It's too much for me. It's too much. His grace. And you use that scripture wrong. It's not that his grace is sufficient enough for you to keep sinning. His grace is sufficient enough for you to stop. Somebody ought to shout out amen. His grace is powerful enough to overcome your challenge. For you to win your battle. For you to stop the internet porn. For you to stop. I'm preaching real good. This is to all of us. This is where we all live, folks. This is where we all live. No sense hiding it. I'm not going to rearrange the Ten Commandments just so you can feel better. We do that in the church today to fill seats. If I empty this church on truth, so be it. So be it. Because I'll answer to God one day for this truth that I teach. And I'm going to teach truth. I'm not going to teach some fallacy or some falsehood. You can do this. God will help you do it. He said it's by grace. So grace is the greatest treasure that we have in the race of life. Those who don't know how to protect the grace of God in their life, they always end up in disgrace. 
You see, there is something we must do to protect the grace of God in our life. It's not just that grace comes, but when we have that empowerment, there's something we do so that grace is constantly active and we protect it. We protect the grace of God in our life. And if we don't, we'll end up in disgrace, which is the opposite of grace. Disgrace. You will end your journey. I just speak this over you today. I, want to, I wrote this down. I want to speak it over you. You will not end your journey that way. Amen. I speak over every person in this room this morning. You will not end your journey in disgrace. You will. I speak in the name of Jesus. You will not end your journey in disgrace. Paul's greatness continued well after he was gone, and that shall be your portion. Now, here's what made Paul great. He said, I am that I am by the grace of God, and this is it. It was his quality of relationship with God. You see, you and grace will cause you to have a quality of relationship with God. And anything in between you and God diminishes the quality of your relationship with God. You should be remembered. I want generations after me, generations after me, to remember my quality of relationship with God. Paul is remembered by his quality of relationship with God. You don't want to be remembered as the drunk. I'm sh- I, listen, I'm preaching. I am preaching. I don't know who's in this room. I don't know who's. I didn't know you were coming, but I wrote it all down. It's all. Re- I'm reading right off the paper that I wrote weeks ago, days ago. I understand what I'm talking about. I didn't know you were coming. God knew you were coming. God knew you would be here today, and He knew what I was going to speak. He knew the hours that I would spend preparing for your heart, for your life, to save you, to bring you out of this mess, to get you into recovery. To change you for your future. I believe 2015 is going to be the year of the unseen. It's going to be the best year I've ever seen. But I got to do something. I got to protect the grace of God. Got to protect it. I want to be remembered. I want my, I want generations after me to remember my relationship. Grace establishes relationship with God. And that relationship with God is what needs to be remembered in your life. When you go on to be with the Lord, your children ought to say, that was a godly woman. Oh, thank God they turned to the Lord. It doesn't matter where you've been. It matters where you're going. Somebody say amen. It doesn't matter where you've been. I'll tell you what a testimony it would be for people to say, you can't imagine. I remember I have a picture of my mother. And she's in a bikini with a cigarette. Now, if you knew my mother, see, I didn't know her like that. I never knew. I never knew her like that. And so when, they, when I got that picture in my hand, I'm like, who is that? I couldn't even believe it was her. And somebody said, that was your mother. That is not my mother. That's not the mother I know. Come on, y'all know. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. It matters where you're going and what you're going to do. Somebody say amen. You can change your story. Hallelujah. Look at somebody say, I'm going to change my story. I'm going to change my story. I'm going to remember. People are going to know me by my relationship with God. The depth of the quality of my relationship with God. That was a godly man. That. I want to be remembered as the one praying in the room when my kids go. Oh, I remember daddy in the room. He'd come in and read the word to us and 
talk to us about God and pray with us and spend time. I want my quality. Somebody ought to say amen. He stood for something. He stood for something. He wasn't just so, 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 so trying to be so hip that he was dumb. He stood for something. Some folks work so hard being, trying to be hip and trying to be youthful and trying to be part of the crowd that they're just stupid. I'm preaching real good. I want them to know I don't care if you like me, you're going to respect me. Woo! I don't need you to like me. That was a prince of a man. Paul's greatness continued well after he was gone. I believe that will be your portion. I believe that's your portion. That God will so entwine himself in you that generations after you are gone, they will remember your quality of walk with God. I want you to write this down. There is power in self-evaluation. There is power in self-evaluation. If you've got your phone, your iPads, whatever it is, I want you to write that down. There is power in self-evaluation. And we, look, we find this in 2 Corinthians 13 and 5. And here's what it says. It says, examine yourselves. Examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. Isn't it interesting that it's not others that examine you? It is not God that's examining you, but he encourages you to examine you. You examine you to see whether you're in the faith. Isn't that interesting? That means you could be out of the faith. Isn't that interesting? To see whether you be in the faith. Prove your own self. Know you not that you're, know you not yourselves how that Jesus Christ is in you except you be a reprobate? Reprobates are people who cannot or won't, will not self-examine. Examine yourself. You see, here's the thing. You know you better than anybody else. You know you, you know your struggles, you know your issues, you know what you're like alone. You know what you're going through. You know your challenges. You know the weaknesses. You know you. Everybody talk about, I'm going to find myself. You know you. Who are you kidding? You know you. No man knows the mind of a man except the spirit that's within him. You've been given a spirit to identify you. And you know what you're really like. You know whether or not you, you pay your bills. You know whether or not you got money in the bank. You know. You know what it's like. And the real truth is that you know you, and here's what the Bible says, that it's whether or not you be in the faith. Prove your own self. You know, when you go to the doctor, I want you to think about this. When you go to the doctor, you, you know, the first question the doctor asks you is not, Something he already knows. He says, what's wrong with you? Come on. If you go in and you don't tell him nothing, he said, what's wrong with you? And you don't know, he's going to be an experiment. <laughs> They're going to run needles and IVs. And I, mean, I mean, they'll take your nose and ways it in your nose. Nope, not in my nose. <laughs> Come on. The first thing he said, what's, what, what's wrong with you? And you say, it's my leg. Well, he doesn't work on your arm. He works on your leg. 
you have the same issue with God. You see, God requires you to know you. And when you go to God, you go to him open with who you are. Somebody ought to say amen. And if you're not willing to do this, you render God helpless in achieving. Here's why. See, self-examination is an an extremely important aspect of life. You must be willing to self-examine. Here, listen to this. I want to just, just, just write this down. Look inward. Comma. To locate what is stopping your way forward, comma, as you find it, comma, you will fight it, comma, until you overcome it, period. Let me read it again. Look inward. To locate what's stopping you moving forward, as you find it, fight it until you overcome it. Some people just don't fight. You see, all that you do requires force. Force. If you got in your car today and you hit the gas pedal and you wanted to move forward, it would require force. Force would cause acceleration and you would move forward with force. And it's the same with spiritual things. When it comes to natural things and spiritual things, you must, exi- you must exert a force greater than the force against you. Because right now, listen to me, as you're there, there's all kinds of, of uh, 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 things that, that are in between you. There's friction between you and the thing that you're dealing with. There's friction there. The Spirit's willing, right? Right? And so there's friction there. Unless you're willing to exert a force greater than the challenge, you can't move forward. But the force is not one God does. He gives you the grace to give you the power to exert the force necessary to change. And you must exert that force until you win. You can't just exert the force one day and walk away. I had enough. You may get sick getting in the DTs. Don't tell me you want to get free. And somebody says, I'll take you to a rehab. No, I ain't going. Don't take me no rehab. How are you going to do it? If you've been an alky for how long? I'm preaching real good. And y'all don't want to hear it. You've been doped up for years. And you say you want to get free, but you're not willing to do anything to get free. You've got to exert a force necessary for freedom. I can do. I'm preaching so good. Look inward. To locate what is stopping your progress forward. When you find it, fight it. Fight it. Until you overcome it. Examine yourself. Look inward. 1 Corinthians 2.11. For what man knoweth the things of a man save the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so the things of God knows no man but the spirit of God. Your spirit knows the things that are in you that need to be dealt with so you can move forward. Motion is the product of pressure and force exerted on something. The friction between you and the thing, the ground, whatever it is, the earth that you fight, your own body, is the force that you must exert to go forward. In the same way as it is in your spiritual life. 
See, if you want your prosperity in life, then you must exert a force in prosperity that exists beyond the force of poverty. If I want my health, I must exert a force beyond the sickness. Higher than, if my thought life, I have to put a thought that is super, that supersedes a greater thought. Does anybody understand what I have to put a greater thought. Where do I get that thought? From the word, the grace of God. I exert the word of God over the greater thought, over it, the greater word, over it. And I exert that pressure. I put the thing in the pressure cooker. See, you got you in there. That's you. Get out of the cooker and put your thing in the cooker. For, for those of you who didn't know what this was, that was a pressure cooker. It's a little thing on the top. You ever see that? Okay, sound effects are not my thing. Amen. In the same way you exert spiritual pressure on spiritual things. In order for you to move forward, you must exert a spiritual force of pressure. And exerting this pressure will move you forward. And sustaining that pressure will move you upward. What a great statement. Amen. Jeremiah 17, 9, 10 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? The Lord searches the heart. I try the reins and even give every man according to his own ways. I give every man according to his own ways. If I want to go forward, I've got to change my ways. Somebody ought to shout out amen. amen. And according to the fruits of his doings. According to the fruits of his, you get a fruit of your doings. It may take years for you to harvest, but you'll harvest. I'm preaching real good. So God and you, write this down, write this down, write this down, write it down. God and you. Is all it takes to maximize your destiny. God and you is all it takes to maximize your destiny. Wow. God and you. In, in Isaiah 58, 7, we find this. It is not to deal thy bread to the hungry and to... Thy, uh, to, uh, that thou bring the poor that cast out to thy house. When thou seest the naked, that thou cover him, and that thou hide not thyself from thine own flesh. The word here, hide not thine own self from thy flesh, is dealing with the words fasting. It's talking about fasting here. I found something out. You want to find out about something. You want to find out. Fast for three days and find out how quickly you understand the difference between spirit, soul, and body. Anybody ever fasted for three days? Has anybody fasted more than three days? The longest I've gone is like 15, 18 days, something like that. I never went more. I'm not a, I don't know. It may be longer than that. I couldn't count after I was delirious. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? I mean, my body, you can look at me and tell fasting and me got problems, right? I mean, I have done <laughs> But you talk about separating the body, soul, and spirit. That's the force that I'm talking about. That your spirit, you, your spirit's so alive to God 
that it forsake not its own flesh. You identify your flesh. Some of you need to identify your flesh. Stop trying to, 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 to pat it on the back. Stop trying to pet it. Stop trying to say it's okay. I can do this. Oh, I can do I'm okay. I sat at my house. A young man came to my house not too long ago. Drove up my yard. Drunk as a skunk. I couldn't believe he was even driving his truck. Could barely get it in my drive yard. Skunk drunk. Seriously, I mean drunk. Wanted counseling. I'll counsel anybody. I don't want you to pull up my house. Please don't. But he did. And if you do, I'll talk to you too. But don't. Seriously, don't. <laughs> don't call me at 3 in the morning. I don't want to counsel at 3. The point is this. As he's talking to me and sharing with me his thoughts, I'm sharing with him. He says to me, as he's drunk out of his gourd, barely drunk. What, what in the world? I should have called the police just to keep him off the road. And eventually, if he doesn't straighten it out, he's probably going to run into somebody and kill somebody. Says... I know I'm going to heaven, ain't nothing wrong with me. Okay. I didn't fight with him. Just like today, there's some of you saying, I'm okay. I'm all right. I'm okay. You've made excuses for what you're not willing to deal with in your flesh. You make excuses for what you don't want to deal with in your flesh. You don't want to deal with it. You don't want to, you don't want to exert the pressure. You don't want to use the grace of God. You just want to excuse it. So, hey, it's okay. Is that right? It's not okay. Uh, don't, I told, don't leave me. Don't leave me. I know some of y'all want to jump up and run out. Afterwards, you can write about me on Facebook, whatever you want to do. Don't do it yet. <laughs> I'll tell you, when you fast and pray, you'll find out that you can't, you ain't, listen, I'm going to tell you something, you ain't going to get drunk fasting and praying. Amen. Why not? That's right. Because your flesh is no longer in control, your spirit is. And when your spirit is, it doesn't do, it doesn't fulfill the lust. Woo, woo, woo. I think I should rewrite the commandments. Why is self-evaluation so crucial? Hide not thyself from thine own flesh. Hide not thyself from thine own flesh. Here's why. There cannot be true repentance until there is true discovery. And there cannot be true discovery and true... And, and unless there is true discovery, there will not be true repentance. So unless you will examine yourself, you cannot discover yourself. Without self-examination, you will never have self-discovery. I'll have ladies that will come into my office and told me how they were being beaten by their husband. Verbally abused, smacked around, had the bruises to prove it. And I'd say, you need to get out of that house. Now, when I first started the ministry, I remember my mom and I were talking about this. This lady came in. She was being smacked around. It was horrible. I said, I'm going to go get her out. I am going to get her out of that house right now. My mother looked at me. She says, you better not. She might move in with you. (laughs) 
Unless you're willing to feel the responsibility, you might not want to go after the challenge. You know what I'm saying? But it's amazing to me. I'd say to my, I might say, and so I, I, I say, you need to move out. You need to get, oh, no. I love him. 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 People after people after people had told her, you need to move out. Family members, you need to get out. I love him. She was never willing to evaluate it herself, to discover it herself, so that she could be free from it. You see, unless you're willing to break out your wallet and look at your own money and how you spend on credit cards, until you're willing to look at your savings account and see whether you put any money away last year. Did you write the budget for this year? Oh, no, no, no. I don't know why I got no money. <laughs> but you ought to see my 60-inch TV, man. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> that them new boots I got. Woo! They fine. Come on, I'm preaching real good. <clears throat> Self-evaluation. Leads to self-discovery. See, I don't want you to go into 2015 like you left 2014. I think we all want to change. We're ready for the change. We're ready to move. In. I told you, 2014, November, change this boy. Something in me changed. I'm not the same anymore. This guy's not the same anymore. I don't do what I used to. I don't think like I used to. I got superior thoughts, superior actions. I've exerted a force. Somebody don't understand what I'm talking about. Self-examination. Listen to this. This is the greatest. This story tells a tale. It's a great story. And if, you, if you've never looked at it this way, just, just look at it this way one time. I want you to turn over Luke, Luke 15, verses 11 through 20. Luke 15, 11 through 20. And he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of the goods that falls to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after that, the young son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. And there wasted his substance on riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a famine in the land. And he began to be in want. And when he joined himself to the citizens of the country, and he sent him, that man sent him to the fields to feed the swine. That he would fain be filled in his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, when he came to himself, it didn't matter who talked to him. It didn't matter what was said. You can have, you can have family therapy. You can have intervention. But until a person is willing to examine themselves, the only change that could occur, and nothing had helped him until he heard the father. I'm sure he heard the brother. I'm sure he heard other people. But the, there was a moment that he was willing to identify. When he came to himself, 
Listen to what he said. When he came to himself, he said, I'm going to arise, go to my father's house, and I will say to my father, I've sinned heaven and earth against thee. I am no more worthy to be called thy son. I, and he arose and came to his father. He also said here, it'd be better for me to be a servant in my father's house. Now, I want you to think about this. Just listen to this. He couldn't see what the father and others were saying, but one day he came to himself. Self-discovery is the gateway to true repentance. There was no change until he came to himself. Listen, self-examination will always lead to self-discovery. Self-discovery will always lead to genuine repentance. And genuine repentance will always lead to full restoration. Gen- i got to read it again because you might not have gotten it. I'm just I'm telling you. Catch this. Self-examination will always lead to self-discovery. And self-discovery will always lead to genuine repentance. And genuine repentance will always lead to full recovery. He came to the point, I can't keep going like this. That's what he said, I can't keep going like this. He remembered where he was from and the dignity and honor he had and what he had lost. You see, in God, you have dignity and honor. And when you leave that, when you go in and you allow these things, you lose that dignity. You end up eating with swine. Some are living on swine slop. Whoa. Beneath where they should be. He said, it'd be better to just be in my... Y'all didn't get it. My father's house. When he came to himself, he realized it'd be better to be a servant. I'll just serve in the house. It'd be better to be nothing and serve in the house of my father. This story is teaching us something. It's swelling inside of us an idea and a thought. That the best place you could be is in the place of honor and glory. Grace. The empowerment for you to have a full. Oh, we got to keep going. Keep going. Keep going. He said, I can't keep competing with pigs. Enough. It's better for me to be serving in my father's house. He came to himself and said, my journey must not end this way. And I speak to you today. Your journey will not end this way. I pray to God somebody in this room is saying my journey will not end this way. My journey will not end this way. I will not end with no money in my bank. I will not end with sickness and disease. And I will not end with broken marriages and broken promises. I will not end a drunk and a disgusted person. I will not end. My journey will not end this way. Hallelujah. Nobody could find him out until he found himself out. The power of self-discovery has two thoughts. The first thought is this, the power. What's in it? What must, why must I have it? 
Number one, you must have self-discovery and self-examination because it always leads to self-discovery. Self-discovery always leads to genuine repentance. And genuine repentance always leads to full restoration. In Christ, to be restored, you must have self-discovery. The second is to escape the chastising of the Lord. Listen to what it says here in 1 Corinthians 11, 31 and 32. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. You see, I need to self-examine so that I don't get chastened by the Lord. Punished. How does this work? When you walk in sin, you open yourself up to the works of the devil. You take yourself out of the covenant. The Bible says that the ways of the transgressor are hard. You may think they're easy, but they're hard. Hard. What have you given up? What did you, for, for what did you wash away? What did you walk away from that you could have had? What have you missed? It's not worth it. I promise you it's not worth it. It's not worth it to miss the anointing. It's not worth it to miss the power. It's not worth it to miss, to miss the blessing. It's not worth it. See, we want to whitewash it today. We just want to preach a message and tell everybody, you just live any way you want to. It's okay. The Bible doesn't say that. It's not in the Bible. That's a lie. Don't leave me yet. There are plenty of churches that will preach what you want to hear. There are plenty of places you go and you can say, scratch me here. Don't scratch me there. I got a dog. They like to be scratched right on the hiney. They don't like it nowhere else. Don't touch nowhere else. Y'all seen that commercial where the guy walks up and pets the cloud? She said he don't like to be petted there. That's, that's 90% of the church. Don't pet me there. Don't scratch me there. I don't want you to scratch that. That's my thing. You've got to be willing to look at yourself. I'm telling you, you can look at yourself and say, Dude, you got to stop lying. You can make it, you can, you can paint, well this and well that and well the other and well this and well that. And this happened and that happened and the, the, the. You can excuse yourself right into believing you were right. But there's a Bible that says, thou shalt not lie. <laughs> Examine it. Be real with yourself. Unhide your flesh so that you can be blessed. So we can escape being punished. You can't afford to wait on the punishment. We escape the torture and the afflictions that might come from disobedience because the way of the transgressor is hard. We should not perish, the Bible says, with the world. We should not perish with the world. Self-examination. Many have reduced. Now, I want to, this is, this is crucial that you get this. Many have reduced righteousness to mere confession pretty common today they reduce it to mere confession they've reduced righteousness to mere confession but here's what the Bible said Matthew 5 6 blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness for they shall be filled the fulfillment in our Christian journey is only possible when we practice righteousness, there is a practice of righteousness. I'm going to explain this. There must be a commitment in you and I.
to practice righteousness. Right living. Right standing. I know that you and I are the righteousness of God in Christ. We're in right standing with God because we're the righteousness of God in Christ. But what if you were sick today? Let's just say that you and I, we got sick today. I know that by Jesus' stripes, I am healed. But the only way that healing operates in me is if I enforce Mere confession won't work. I must enforce. You see, just because you confess Jesus does not mean that you have a right standing in your living. Right standing comes from the enforcement of righteousness. Let me just read my notes. It will make more sense when I read them. We are righteousness in God in Christ. This is true. And like Jesus' stripes, you were healed. But what happens when you're sick? You react. You take the word and you react against the invasion of sickness. You say no to sickness because the price was already paid. We should react against unrighteousness the same way we react against sickness. If we would do this we would be free and we would fly and when we are truly free we truly begin to fly by Jesus stripes we're healed you don't stop at confession you continue to enforcement you don't stop at confession you continue to enforcement does anybody understand what I'm talking about when you are attacked you enforce the established work of God the finished work of God to free yourself from the attack. And that same way, you are called upon to enforce the reality of righteousness in your journey. You and I are to establish the reality of righteousness in our Christian journey. Not just mere confession, but establishing it by guaranteeing it. It is our righteous living that shows and guarantees the finished work of Christ. And grace is the power for you to do it. To establish in you righteousness. Right living. There's no excuse. We are the righteousness of God in Christ. But we must enforce the reality of the finished work. Every sin is a spiritual disease. Here's what it says in James 1, 13 through 16. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with either evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away by his own lust. Where does it come from? From within. When he's drawn away by his own lust and enticed. Then when lust conceives... It brings forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. Don't err, my beloved brethren. Don't think there's a way around what God has already told us. You can't rewrite the commandments and make it right. As a matter of fact, God said, don't change one jot or one tittle. We must act with force to react 
in accordance with God's word and enforce righteousness in our life. Enforce prosperity in my life. Just because it's a finished work, only my enforcement of it makes it happen. <laughs> Anybody getting anything out of this today? You may not come back, but you heard it. You're wrecked. You're ruined. You can go listen to the other junk if you want to, but you heard this, and you're going to be accountable for it. Sin is a disease. Just like every physical ailment culminates in death if not successfully treated, the same way spiritual diseases culminate in spiritual death when it is not handled on time. It's lust within you unless you handle it. Every sin is a spiritual disease. It must be challenged less, uh, unless it shatters great destinies. If it is not stopped, it has every power to stop its victim. It will not stop you, though. I say that over you today. It will not stop you. You can't afford to wait for it to stop you. If you don't stop lust, it will culminate in sin. And if you, won't, and if you want sin to finish its work, it will bring forth death. So let's stop it before it stops us. There is much more righteousness. Much, there is much more to righteousness than just confessing the finished work of Jesus. Righteousness must, must proceed from there to enforcement and, rea- and, the, and the enforcing of the reality of the finished work. Just like when you're sick, you enforce the reality of the finished work of healing. Just like giving tithes and offerings. You are enforcing the reality of the finished work of prosperity. See, you guys, you just take for granted. You throw some money in the bucket. You don't understand. God made a covenant, and for you to have the, the side of his covenant that he guaranteed, you must enforce it. If you don't put anything in the bucket, there's nothing to enforce. You weren't enforcing the covenant. <laughs> the only legal right you have is the one God gave you through enforcement of the covenant. Man, I'm telling you, if you guys are, I pray to God you're hearing what I'm saying. To have his sight, the windows open, to have the blessings, mere confession won't do it. To have prosperity, you must add to it the enforcement of the covenant. And righteousness requires the same thing. You must enforce righteousness in your life. Yes, you are the righteousness of God in Christ. But you must enforce it in your life. Through what you do. We must practice the covenant. You and I must practice the covenant. Our side. Enforcing the finished work of Jesus Christ. That is what self-examination does. It allows you to examine the missing elements of the covenant and for you to enforce what should be right in your life. The righteous shall flourish. I'm going to finish with this. Psalm 92, 10 through 15. But my horn shall be exalted like the horn of a unicorn. I shall be anointed with fresh oil. Think about this. I'm going to go on to this a little bit tonight. I want to talk about the other side of this. The whole, Why are you doing this? Mine eyes shall also see the desires of my enemies, and my ears shall hear the desires of the wicked that rise up against me. The righteous shall flourish 
like a palm tree. He shall grow like the cedars of Lebanon. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our, in the courts of our God. They shall bring, still bring forth fruit in their old age and they shall be fat and flourishing. Righteousness causes you to be fat and flourishing. That's why many are missing it. That's why their lives, you just go, you're just existing. You go to work every day, you come home every day, you exist. God doesn't want you to exist, He wants you to live. He wants you to live. Righteousness guarantees the fulfillment until you go to the grave. old age be like a cedar planted in Lebanon he shall flourish in the courts of our God he's my rock and therefore no unrighteousness is in him in old age he'll satisfy you Psalm 24 3 through 4 who shall ascend in the hill of the Lord who is it that shall ascend to the hill of the Lord who shall stand in his holy place he that hath clean hands and a pure heart he that he that hath clean hands and a pure heart who hath not lifted up his soul into vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. The righteous. Matthew 5, 6. They that hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. Here's what that actually says. Fulfilled. 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 Full and filled. Fulfilled. Think about that, what that's actually saying. Coming to church is important, but it's not the replacement for the practice of righteousness. You must live the church. You must live the purpose of Christ because you are the light and salt of the earth. You must live the church and you must live the purpose. This goes beyond mere confession. This goes beyond mere confession. Talk is cheap. And the overemphasis of confession has led to frustrations in the church. People don't know why they can't receive. Why their lives are a mess. Because they have found their joy in something other than God. They have found their peace in something other than God. There's more to Christianity than mere speaking. 1 Corinthians 4.20 says, For the kingdom of God is not word, but in power. In other words, you could have a form of godliness. If nothing in you changes, then Christianity is fake. If you can remain the same and nothing about you is different, then it's a lie. Because he came to change you and regenerate you and refresh you and wash you by the water of the word. If the word is real, then the reality of the word will exist in you. So we're not to have a form of godliness and deny the power. He said from such Turn away. You were some of those in those days, he said. 
But you're not anymore. I speak it over you in the name of Jesus. I call you into a refreshing journey. I speak to you to change your story. Hallelujah. Glory to God. They shall be full. They shall be filled and full of God's plan and purpose in their life. They shall be fulfilled. Filled and fulfilled. Lastly, he that doeth. 1 John 3, 7 and 9. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous. He that doeth righteousness is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil. For he sinned from the beginning. For this purpose was the Son of Man made manifest that he might destroy sin. Sickness, disease, depravity, dysfunction. For you to be able to enforce in your life the opposite. Listen to this. It says, it goes on to say this. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for the seed remains in him. Now what is the seed? What is the seed? The Bible says the sower goes to sow the seed, the word, the word of God. In other words, that's, let me tell you what it originally says. You ready? It says, giving heed to the word of God. Whosoever is born doth not commit sin, for the giving heed of the word of God remains in him. To say that it means you can't sin is a bunch of hogwash. It means that you have the ability to enforce the sinless nature of God in you. You have the strength and the grace of God to enforce inside of you. I will not lie. I will not commit adultery. I will not fornicate. And I have the power to do it. Woo! That's good preaching right there. That's good. You don't hear a lot about that anymore. They don't want to preach that. They want to just fill seats. I'm going to fill you with God. I don't care whether I fill a seat. He says, he that doeth the will of my Father and the seed of God. He that doeth, it doesn't say he that confesseth. It doesn't say nothing there about confession. He that doeth righteousness is righteous. Now here's the thing, you can flourish. Your life can take flight. You can move into a greater destiny and a greater awareness of God. I can tell you this, that in the month of November when I fell in love with the word of God the way that I did. When I came to a point where I said, I can't remain this way. I came to myself. I said, that's enough, enough, enough. Enough of not enough. Enough, 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 enough. I've had enough. And I said, I'm, I came to myself. There has never been a greater moment in Steve McCart's life than that moment. I've switched, something's happened. I've moved into a new arena. I've found God in a new way. I've stepped into a new place with God, and it's new every morning. His faithfulness is new every morning. His mercy is new every morning. I find him in a place every night. There's a place in him. I'm a nicer person. My wife's even amazed. Who are you? 
And it's not fake. I'm not trying to make it happen. I didn't try to do it. I didn't set out a New Year's resolution. I fell in love with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And I allowed His Word to begin to work in my life and begin to deal in my life. I allowed His Word to take precedence. I, I trained my mind through a superior thought. I put a force on it and said, I'm not going to live here anymore. I'm not going to just placate it and play with sin anymore. I'm not going to hold on to things anymore. I'm not living there. God said, beloved, I wish above all things that thou may prosper. I'm going to prosper. And I'll do whatever it takes. I'll be whatever I've got to be. I'll walk the way I've got to walk. I don't just want to know him. I want to know him in the power of his resurrection. I don't want one foot in the world and one foot in the church. Give me all of God. I want it all. I don't want some. I don't want a piece. I don't want a smidgen. I want it all. I want the full pie. I want the depth of relief. I want to go all the way with God. I want to know him. I want to know him. Fullness of joy, peace evermore, life without limits. I done preached my shirt right out of my pants. <laughs> life without limit. I want life without limits. I want a life that's without limits. I want a marriage that has no limit. I want healing and health that has no limit. I want prosperity that has no limit. Somebody shout in this house. He that doeth righteousness is righteous. Self-examination leads to self-discovery. Self-discovery leads to true repentance. And true repentance leads to true recovery.